Hello and welcome to the 45th episode of UPSC Prep Decoded, a podcast brought to you by Abhyankar's IAS so that you can study on the go. I, Khushi Bola, am your host for today and we are in conversation with our director and mentor, Mr. Ashaya Abhyankar. A very warm welcome to you, sir. Our conversation today focuses on the evolution of the Indian judiciary. Therefore, the first question, has there been a transformation in the approach of the judiciary? And if so, has it been in form or in function? This is a very pertinent question, Khushi, particularly when you look at legal evolution always tries to keep up with societal evolution. So as and how the society evolves, grows, transforms, it starts encountering multiple challenges, roadblocks, in certain cases, even crisis. It is at that point of time that the means of social control and regulation, necessarily being law, needs to rise up to the occasion to help fix loopholes, lacuna, or in some cases, even absence in laws to remedy social situations. Now, as you are aware that lawmaking in India is the prerogative of parliament. It is the supreme lawmaking body in the country. So many a times, the parliament, on account of shortage of time, uh, difficulties with regard to respond to urgent situations that require timely, forceful, and legal interventions, you realize that the judiciary has stepped in time and again. So whether it has been with the evolution of the understanding, meaning, and scope of Article 21 of the Constitution, which essentially talks about the right to life and personal liberty, to include within the right to life an ambit wide enough to include so many factors that are incidental to life, whether they be the right to dignity, environmental protection, livelihood, education, clean and pollution-free environment, you have seen a slew of cases wherein the judiciary has stepped in and tried to expand the scope of provisions of the constitution wherein laws were not enough to remedy social wrongs. For example, if you look at the evolution of Article 21, right from the time of Manika Gandhi versus Union of India to MC Mehta versus Union of India, you would see that many, many newer ambits have been included into the scope so as to expand the meaning of the provisions of law and to ensure that the end goals of justice are met. Having said this, one of the important prerogatives to keep in mind is that whenever you are looking at judiciary breathing life into regulations of society, this happens only within existing laws. But in certain cases, the judiciary has also stepped in by issuing guidelines, like in the famous matter of Vishaka versus State of Rajasthan, where there were certain Supreme Court guidelines in place to provide mechanisms to prevent sexual harassment at work. And a law on the same was enacted almost two decades later. So when you look at the growth development and evolution of the judiciary, we can very, very comfortably and proudly state that the judiciary is the most important arm of governance 
purely because it safeguards the constitution, determines the relationship by etching out the scope and the dimensions between individual and societal rights, and in doing so, maintains and sustains order and balance in society. Right, sir. Sir, how would you say the stakeholders of governance understand the difference between judicial activism and judicial overreach? And for the benefit of our listeners, could you also give us some examples, please? You see, there, there has been a continuing debate uh, of the concepts of judicial activism and judicial overreach. Very simply put, judicial activism is wherein the courts of the land are able to take matters uh, suo moto or through concepts of public interest litigation, wherein the approaching party is not necessarily the aggrieved party, but wherein a particular matter is brought to light or brought to the notice of the court because it affects the general interests of the public at large. So many a times you have seen public interest litigations that have been filed and the judiciary has risen up to the occasion particularly to fix uh, issues that are plaguing or affecting the health or well-being of the public at large. For example, monitoring by the the courts with regard to pollution uh, norms uh, in in different states in India is a very interesting case of judicial activism. We have seen judicial activism through filing of public interest litigations for disclosure of information particularly from spendings of government agencies where taxpayers' money has been apportioned for certain developmental projects and there has been an apprehension of misuse of public funds. At the same time, judicial overreach is a term wherein the judiciary oversteps the jurisdiction and either enters into the domain of the legislature or the executive in either having certain judgments, guidelines, or regulations or orders passed, which make it necessary for the legislature or the executives to follow. Certain critics had pointed out that guidelines that were given by the courts of this country, which provided time stipulations for cleaning of rivers, amounted to judicial overreach. So the theory of separation of powers, which essentially talks about the separation of powers between the legislature, the executive and the judiciary, make it very necessary for them to remain within the domain of their functions as defined by law. Though the nature of these functions could be interrelated, they they could be interdependent, but they are firmly etched out by the law and every organ of government must respect the jurisdiction within which it operates. Right, sir. So the first ever woman judge in the Supreme Court was appointed in 1989. 39 years later, currently only 10 women judges, including those sworn in on the 31st of August 2021, have been a part of the Apex Court. So has the judiciary done enough to bring inclusivity and change in its form? And why has this change taken so long? You see, this is a very, very important question. Because even today, with the statistics that you have just mentioned, I think we are still far away from ensuring at least a 50% representation of women in our judiciary. So you see that the legal profession per se is still male-dominated 
and it has severe under representation of women so if you look at the judicial officers um, wherein you have reservation for women in judiciary you see that telangana has about a 52% assam is with about a 46% uh, odisha with 42 rajasthan with 40 you see that these states have done uh, pretty well uh, by providing reservation to women uh, so that they are able to join the judiciary but i believe that there are larger issues that keep women away from judicial careers um, uh, in the country and these are pretty much similar to many many other avenues of public or private employment so if you were to see um, uh, i would probably enlist a few one is that there is harassment secondly there is lack of respect from members of the bar and the bench you have an, a, a general gender bias and a patriarchal mindset that tries to silence the women and their opinions in the legal profession which often traumatizes you personally and professionally so when you look at um, the the entire dynamics of of why india has not been able to push in a larger number of people into the uh, into all the echelons of the judiciary i believe that this is going to need some sort of a revolution or a social transformation of society at large and this revolution uh, has to be a revolution that is driven by change of mindset uh, by a higher degree of inclusivity and openness uh, not only to women but i believe to absolutely all genders india is still not um, there as far as representation of the alternate genders or the transgenders is concerned even in with with regard to the judiciary we have seen some examples of that in political life but absolutely none in the judiciary so far so i believe that a social revolution that tries to bring in cultural change uh, it focuses on mindset openness inclusivity is basically required in all walks of uh, social and professional life judiciary just being one of the domains where we would probably move beyond the concept of tokenism or symbolism to say that we have x number of women judges either representing in the high courts or on the supreme court of this country thank you so much sir this conversation has been incredibly insightful um to our listeners if you enjoyed our podcast do like and download your input feedbacks and suggestions are always welcome you can contact us through info@abhyankarias.com Show us some love on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handles that go by the name Abhyankar's IAS. And don't forget, these podcasts are now available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Keep listening and stay tuned for more.